the Bible Study Podcast, episode 717. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues with the study of 2 Corinthians with chapter 2. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We continue on with 2 Corinthians. Chapter 2 goes like this. So I made up my mind that I would not make another painful visit to you, for if I grieve you, who is left to make me glad but you whom I have grieved? I wrote as I did, so that when I came I would not be distressed by those who should have made me rejoice. I had confidence in all of you that you would all share my joy, for I wrote out of great distress and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to grieve you, but to let you know the depth of my love for you. And so Paul is writing, (laughs) and he's opening up this letter, talking about the last letter. And he's basically saying, I know that this may have caused some hard feelings, but I really felt that I needed to write. I was writing to you out of great distress. He's saying, you can't know how difficult this was for me. But I also wanted to write you that when I came to you, I wouldn't have to address these things. So when I came to you, it could be joyful, basically. When I came to you, I wouldn't have to do this in person. I didn't want to wait that long. And then he continues, forgiveness for the offender. If anyone has caused grief, he has not so much grieved me as he has grieved all of you to some extent. Not to put it too severely, the punishment inflicted on him by the majority is sufficient. Now instead you ought to forgive and comfort him, so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. I urge you therefore to reaffirm your love for him. Another reason I wrote you was to see if you would stand the test and be obedient in everything. Anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. And so he's saying that I know that you read my letter and you realize that some of you had done wrong. Some of you had sinned. Some of you had caused disruption. Some of you had been doing things you shouldn't have been doing. And he's kind of putting this behind him saying, okay, now it's the time to forgive. Now, remember, he's not just jumping to forgive that there was correction. You know, he's saying first in this first letter that he wrote, 1 Corinthians, there's some things that need to change here. There's some things the way you do communion that need to change. There's some things the way how you treat each other need to change. There's some things in how you're dealing with these forming teams within the church. I belong to Paul. I belong to Apollos. That you're taking sides, that some of these things need to change. And he's sort of writing with a confidence now that they have addressed those, then we need to forgive. We need to say that part of the reason why you write this letter is to correct the problems in the church so that there can be peace, so that there can be a unity of purpose. But part of the unity of purpose means that we have to be able to move on. We have to not be able to say, well, you know, you're the one who screwed up and, you know, got us in trouble with Paul. And you have to let go of that, right? Now, that doesn't mean you have to not address the problem. Again, he's already addressed the problems. The church has already addressed the problems. And he's saying, now let's forgive. And when he talks at the end about, in order that Satan might not outwit us, 
for not, we are not unaware of his schemes. Now, he's not going to go into detail what Satan's schemes are, but I'll give you a hint. If you have been in a church for any period of time, and I'm 60 years old and have grown up in the church, so I have seen this happen in a number of places, we know what Satan tries to do. And one of the things that he tries to do is separate. And there's a lot of different tools, a lot of different schemes that he uses for that. He uses our pride against us, and then he also uses the opposite of that. Of those of us who feel unworthy, he will use that against us. He'll use our anger against brothers and sisters in the church against us, and he will use that against the church. We've seen how you know the breaking of one friendship within a church can split a church. The breaking of one marriage in a church can split a church. We know the schemes that Satan uses, and he uses division. And so when he says here that we ought to forgive, he's keeping that, I think, in mind, that what Satan wants to do is divide and what God wants to do is reunite. What God wants to do is heal. What Satan wants to do is injure. And so if we are holding on to those things because we want to get back at someone, for instance, we are not on God's side. We are on Satan's side. And let's not Let's not do that, is what Paul is saying. And so he's saying, if you forgive them, I forgive them. And I forgive in the sight of Christ for your sake. We are about forgiveness as a church, and that includes people in the church. And he continues on, ministers of the new covenant. Now, when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, and I found that the Lord had opened a door for me, I still had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I said goodbye to them and went on to Macedonia. But thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are an aroma that brings death, to the other an aroma that brings life. And who is equal to such a task. Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. Okay, he first gives us a little bit of his travel plans here, uh, or what he's done. He's gone from Troas, he went there, and he didn't find Titus, Titus who he wrote a letter to, we can read in the Bible, uh, Titus who is, like Timothy, one of the young pastors that he has been mentoring. And so he goes on to Macedonia. But then he gets into this colorful language paragraph here about Christ's triumphal procession and, and the aroma I don't know if anybody has ever called you an aroma. Uh, I think people have told me I have an aroma, but I don't think that's quite what Paul is talking about here. So two different pictures that he's using that we may miss because we're not thinking like a first century Christian. First, Christ's triumphal procession. If you are a Roman general, and again, remember, Paul is living within the Roman world, and you go off and you defeat the Gauls or you go defeat, you know, whoever, one of the greatest honors that you can get is that when you come back to Rome, there is this parade. And it's called a, it's called a triumph. And so this triumphal procession will have your soldiers in it, like we would do maybe today, a ticker tape parade. But it's also literally going to have 
some of the people who you captured, uh, some of the people who were those Gauls that you defeated in that triumph. And so he's saying he leads us as captives in his triumphal procession. He leads us as if we had been captured in this battle, which is an odd thing for him to say, because when we talk about, you know, onward Christian soldiers and, and these hymns that we have from the Middle Ages especially, they have a very different picture of this sort of triumphal procession and where we would be in it. But he's saying that I don't always know where I'm going, and he leads me as a captive would be here where you are just told what to do, right? And you don't have any uh, authority over where you're going to go. And he's saying, I wasn't sure whether I should be in Troas or where I should be in Macedonia. And God leads me on. And he's using this colorful metaphor to describe that. And then he talks about the aroma, the aroma of knowledge of him everywhere. And I think we have to think about if you come from a church tradition that is more, I want to say more modern and less smells and bells, as we used to call it when I was attending a Episcopal church, where there is incense used and, and more high procession and things like that, then you may have missed out on that this is something that is similar to worship as it would be in the first century, not necessarily in the church, but in the temple and such, where there's a lot of uh, incense used and the smell of burnt offerings and all of these things that are the aroma. And so the Bible talks about our prayers rising to God like the aroma of the offerings, our prayer rising to God like the aroma of the incense. And so he's kind of using this metaphorically to talk about the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. That it's one of these things that is spreading and that as it rises up, it is pleasing to God. And so that's the, the pleasure to God. You have to understand that that's how aroma is quite often used within the Old Testament, especially to understand what he's saying here. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. That our prayers, that our deeds and such are rising to God like an aroma rises to heaven and brings God pleasure. You have the capability to bring God pleasure through what you do. And, and I'm not going to focus on what you believe. It's really, I want to focus on what you do here, because that's kind of what he's talking about. This spreading, this action that spreads things. And two, he says, to one or the aroma that brings death, to the other the aroma that brings life. In the sense that as we bring the knowledge of Christ, eventually this will lead to that day where we stand in judgment to some life and to some death. But, you know, our role is to spread that gospel. Our role is to not be, as Paul is also not, someone who peddles the word of God for profit. And I've kind of talked about it before. It's one of the reasons I don't have ads on this show is I want to be clear that my motives are not that. And Paul is wanting to be clear that his motives are not that. That's not why he speaks about Christ. Uh, that he could. He could make a living from it, and he doesn't see anything wrong with that in general. But for him, as a tent maker, as someone who is making a living from his own work of his hands, he wants to be clear on his motives. And he says, we speak with God with sincerity as those sent from God. That is important for him to understand these people in Corinth who he may have hurt, he may have offended with his words in that first letter of why he does speak for God, why he does preach and why he does teach. And it's because he is called by God and led, 
like a captive in Christ's triumphal procession. And with that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com, or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And thanks so much for listening. Is life feeling chaotic? I get it. I'm Rachel Wojo, host of the Untangling Life podcast. Don't miss the passionate encouragement and faith-based resources you need to help you clear your head and calm your heart. As Shell says, it feels like Rachel always knows what I need to hear. She keeps it real and is so humble. Her podcast is just the cherry on top. Enjoy Untangling Life with Rachel Wojo on lifeaudio.com or your favorite podcast app now.